Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So this show is going to be a little rough on me. Uh. You feeling okay? Mm, well, I won't be for long. I, I have to compliment you a lot. Ooh, that's going to hurt. Yeah, that's... it is. It is. <laughs> Paul and I are back from Vancouver International Wine Festival. It's a really well-run festival in a... In a beautiful city. In a Stunning really, city. really nice yep. city. And it was it was a joy to be there for all kinds of reasons except one, which was that Paul was the keynote speaker, meaning you couldn't swing a moose without Paul uh, hitting an event. Rick, that's uh, pretty hard to swing a moose anyway. I'm, it's, I'm just I'm, try, I'm trying to stay Canadian. <laughs> okay. And, and so the hard part for me was that people loved him. Oh. Everywhere I went, people are telling me what a great job Paul is doing. I've never heard people talk about it. People in the trade, people from wineries, just wine lovers. A week of that can wear a guy down. Rick, are you, uh, are you still taking your medication? Yeah, well, I needed to. <laughs> so so I, I wouldn't be bringing this up to say anything nice about Paul, but there's actually a lesson about it. And the reason is this, that the presentations were about the history of the countries and how the wines came from that. And he connected the wines to the cultures of the places and the way we do with food. Or he just asked people why they loved the wine, not how they made them. And he got winemakers to talk about that. Actually, I kind of got winemakers to talk about wine the way the rest of us I talk know. about it was kind of cool, you know, <laughs> even though it was you. <laughs> and that was the thing. And you could see it and I could see it that people were really enjoying it. And they weren't talking about, you know, clones and fermentation or notes of baked magnesium or crushed jalapeno peppers or whatever the heck <laughs> right. it was, you know. Right. And so, I mean. Cassis. Cassis. I didn't have a single winemaker talk about Cassis. It, it was one of my disappointments, I got to say. There was no, no Cassis in the room. No you know? Cassis. A Cassis-free environment. Yeah. It was, it was a little hard. I mean, because uh, you know how much I love Cassis. <laughs> um, but so so this is the thing is that uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about about um, of why that works. I, and I think that people need to know that. Um, and we should also tell folks about uh, how cool Vancouver wines are, as it turns out. Yeah. 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 We um, had a great time there. Food was wonderful. Tasted some really good wines from Vancouver and 25,000 people. Uh, 150 different wineries from I think 18 different uh, 18 different countries. Spain and Portugal were the themes, but mm-hmm. man, there was a lot to do. I was I was busy every minute of the day. Yeah, and plus and plus today on the show where you have some questions from Canadians who were at the festival. And and how did they ask those Very questions? Politely, Very politely. Very politely. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what it's. That's and the of way course, Canadians are. we will make fun of wine snobs, and there were far fewer of them up there too. I might add. <laughs> um, and by the way, uh, the usual couple reminders that we are still on Capital Public Radio. Still, Paul. Yes. Boggles the mind. The endurance it? of that station is amazing. <laughs> um, we are also on Napa Broadcasting, a network that comes out of Napa Valley College, an institution of higher learning, and they're still sticking with us. They should know better. So, Paul, where did you see the longest line at the festival? Uh, well, I would say that the longest lines at the festival were at the coat check. Yes. It yes. was freezing a couple of the days. It actually snowed. Yes. It, which is it, unusual for Vancouver. I thought that was a very Canadian thing, you know. And they were, they were also really patient as they stood 20 deep to check their coat. Yeah, you but know? at the same time, what a beautiful city. You know, the mountains ringed with snow. It was it was stunning. It is. And, you know, if—, if if you've never been to Vancouver, the the downtown is the, uh, this really beautiful harbor, and there's a, a mount mount uh, Gross Mountain, right? Grouse Grouse Mountain, Mountain. Grouse, Grouse Mountain. Mountain. Um, 
Gross Mountain would be the mountain outside your house. Yes, right? that's the backyard of my house. It's true. <laughs> um, but it and it right across the harbor, um, and it's not even four miles away. And it's this giant snow capped four thousand foot mountain. Yeah. And it really is something. Yeah. I have to tell you that my wife and I went for a little walk the first morning we were there. Just walked around the outside of the hotel, and we're walking along the waterfront. And sure enough, they're up on one of the light poles, keeping an eye on everything. Was a huge bald eagle. Oh, very, very nice. cool. Very, very cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful city. Uh, so uh, another, actually, I thought very Canadian touch uh, and something that could be a lesson for us was the uh, sign in the middle of the the festival, the big sign in the middle uh, of the yes. festival that you pointed out I to pointed me. out that out, yeah. It gave people on tips on how to be polite. How to be polite and, and, and a wine tasting. Yeah. You should have read them. I, right. I did. And it turns out um, <laughs> you should have followed I shouldn't them, right? be reaching across and grabbing the bottle and running. <laughs> I, I'm supposed to just take a, a sip. That's right. Uh, but one of them you was things like receive your sample, then step aside to share. Step aside and let other people step forward so everybody yeah. gets a chance to taste the wine. And it is something we forget. And frankly, I do forget because I want to ask questions. But, you know, you forget that. So, and they said circle back. You know, yeah. when it's a little yeah. quieter, then come and circle yeah. back. And then, of course, one of the things that's nice is that most of the wineries had one or two or three people pouring. So e- even if you wanted to talk to somebody, a lot of times they still had somebody pouring. Right. And then someone would come out from behind the table right. and just chat with you. We had a couple of wonderful chats with uh, some, some winemakers and the rest. We did. That was very nice. And then they found out who we were and they stopped talking to us. That's right. But That's for a right. while there, we were, we were doing well. <laughs> well. Now, what was the one guy yelling about security about you? Yes. Right? Well, it was, you know, he, he recognized me. Yeah, <laughs> I can't really say I blame Security. Him. So, and the other thing I have to say for me that was a discovery, because I really did not know much about British Columbia wines and Canadian wines in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I found a bunch that I really liked. And yep. it what surprised me a little bit about what they were. Uh, I found for me like the Pinot Noirs and the Syrahs from the Okanagan Valley, uh-huh. which is the uh-huh. their big wine uh-huh. valley. Yeah. Um, just almost consistently good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been to the Okanagan a couple of times, and not only are the wines good, but it's absolutely spectacular. Uh, beautiful mountainous forested area and some lakes and things to have fun with as well. Uh, it's a perfect. The only problem with the Okanagan Valley is it's about a four-hour drive from Vancouver. So it's not close enough to be a day trip. Other right. than that, it really is a perfect wine destination. Yes, and and all in all, still not not so bad. I mean, a lot of wine countries a long ways, you know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're already yeah. making plans to go back. Yeah. So good, good, good. Yep. So. Um, I want to get back to the idea of, about telling stories about wine and history and culture and life and and instead of giving those silly lists of flavors. So why is this such a difficult notion to grasp in the industry, do you think? Well, Rick, I think it's a lot like asking an engineer to explain how a machine works. Yeah. He is so involved in all the tiny, you know, why you need a three-eighths inch bolt on this spot and why you need— I always wondered why you needed you know, that All of that, kind of, they're so involved in that that that's all they can talk about. Whereas, that's, you know, that's why, for example, uh, tech firms bring in outside help to write their manuals. Right. Because if you've ever written—excuse me, if you've ever read a tech manual written by a software engineer— you're worse off when you're finished than when you started. <laughs> That's why I can't put anything together. Well, not the only reason, but it's one of the many one reasons. One of the many reasons. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's, 
I mean, I think in some cases it's, it's intellectual laziness too. You know, and nobody just they just don't want to change because they don't want to change. Well, they don't want to change, but at the same time, they've spent their lives studying right. that side of things, right. and then you're asking them to talk to a group of people who haven't studied that side of things, and all they can do is talk about what they studied. Yeah, and you know, uh, one funny story that I've told you that um, at one of the other sessions I went to a, a different session, a lunch session where they're pouring and pairing, and one of the guys who was on one of your panels, yeah, and yeah. Uh, we were chatting, and he was saying how much he enjoyed the panel and. He enjoyed your approach and you completely bought the idea that you you don't need to tell people about how you made the wine and right, right right and so and then another person a friend came wandering up and so he said well, why don't you to come over and i'll pour you because the wine right so and you know what he did went right into saying these were <laughs> co-fermented we uh, we grew these and we, we, that's we, right we, uh, harvested at such and such a bricks and couldn't help himself it's that's just right. a habit that's yeah? right and, and i think that's a big part of it they're so used to doing it that way yep. it's just hard even when he knows not to that's right even when he knows actually that it's going to be counterproductive. You're right. He can't stop. Right. Can't right. stop. Right. Yep. So I, I think, um, I mean, for for those of us in the industry, I think all we can do is just keep beating the drum and reminding people and saying it over and over, don't be that way. Right. And for those of um, you outside the industry, when you run into the person and they start to go into something that you don't understand. Just do what they did in Vancouver and call for security. Yes, call for security. Or <laughs> or say, I'm, I'm sorry, could you please speak English? Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. I don't care how it was or made. French. But tell me why you tell me your, why you make this wine. Yeah, that's always a good question. That's always a good why question to ask. Yeah. Speaking of questions... Speaking of questions, we do, do we have, have any? some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, um, I was wandering the floor while you were off uh, giving lectures. Um, Good. As, by the way, as an it, it was either wander the floor or listen to the lectures so I can understand why you were out on the floor. Yeah, plus they had wine out there. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it was a great venue, too, because it's like a three-story glass Well, you know, that wall. was all built for the Olympics. Right, to the 2010. So, yeah, it's a spectacular yeah. venue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, Talked to lots of friendly people. Um, and polite, my, friendly people. Yeah, polite, yeah. friendly people. Yeah, uh, polite, friendly people. I told them about the, the podcast if they didn't know. Some of them knew because they had been paying attention. One of the things I learned, by the way, was that guyness, for all the politeness, is universal. <laughs> so I'd, I'd see a, a group of people and I'd say, anybody have a question? And all the women would have a question and, and none of the guys. None of the guys None of them wanted to no, admit no, they didn't no, know anything. I didn't, yeah. 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 That's good. Of course. Um, I am a little surprised the women would talk to you, right? Me too, to be honest. That just goes to show how nice Canadians are. That's right. They really are right. polite. So uh, we have one question that we recorded on the floor. Let's, uh-huh. uh, let's take a listen. Hi, so I'm Karen from Ottawa. And I never know what to do when I go to a restaurant. And they hand me a what I call a Bible of wine. So it is loaded with names of wineries that I don't know. Uh, and the name of the wine and a price. And now I'm supposed to pick what will go with my wine and what's a good wine. What do I do? Yep. yep. That's a, it's a fair question. So apparently that's an international issue. <laughs> well, it is. And and let's be fair, it happens to us too, Oh Rick, yeah. Because oh, when exactly. we walk into a restaurant, even though we theoretically know a whole lot about wine, there are restaurants who have wine lists that have 4,000 wines on the list and we're just as lost as Karen. Where do you go? Right. So my theory is you just sort of start by breaking down in categories, red or white, and then fruity or then maybe slightly sweet or dry. And then, of course, in any wine list, you're looking at price and you just start narrowing things down. And if you really don't know any of the wines, a good a good tactic at that point is to pick out a couple of things that you think might fall into your category and then ask the sommelier, hey, I'm looking at these two wines. Tell me how they're different. 
And if he explains that one of them was harvested at 23 bricks and from calcareous soils, <laughs> that's the time to say, okay, could I talk to the busboy? Because he, he, he might talk now. the same language well, I do. Well, I have a, a slightly different approach, although it's some, somewhat similar, which is that about asking the sommelier. But I say if it's a 5,000 wine list, I just ask him to explain all 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so I got time. Go ahead. Yeah, right. so, yeah, I'm not uh, going anywhere. <laughs> that's right. No, I, I think the way to think about it is what you were saying is it doesn't – don't think of it as a 5,000 wine Narrow list. it down. Right. You got to narrow it down. Right. Just somehow. think of it as a wine list, and there's 4,900 wines that you're not even going to look at. <laughs> right. And there's That's a couple right. that are somewhere in the ballpark, and that you recognize something you might be looking for, and whether it might be a Pinot Noir or it might be a wine from a region that you like in Italy or don't right. know anything about, but well, want to so know something about. That's the other thing that I like doing with a list like that is going down the list until I see something in my price range, more or less in my category, that I've never heard of. And I think, what the heck? What a great opportunity to try something I've never tried before. So I admit I'm a little bit of a crazy person that way, but I love going in there and just trying something new. On that crazy person yeah. statement, you don't yeah. need that way. Okay, You Rich, put a period right after person. You need to up your dose again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is a hard one, and it is. I think, I think the biggest thing is, but to, to back to her question or her point, is, like, is to not think of it as this giant list. No, just, just narrow find it something, down, right. narrow it down to a few choices, and then maybe ask for help for those few choices. Right. Yes. Yep. Okay. We have one more uh, from the floor. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hi, I'm Steve from Vancouver, and my question is, I'm originally from the States, and when I came up here, I thought that Canadian wine would not be very good, and I was surprised to find out that it was. When I go back, I find many Americans still can't get their head around a, a wine from Canada being any good. How do we change that perspective, and especially in California, um, get all the wine snobs to try some Canadian wine and see that it's actually not as bad as you think it is? It's, yeah, fair enough. It's better than you think. Yeah, it is. much better than you think it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and and he's right in that. Uh, but there's another difficulty in that, which is that a lot of uh, even us on the West Coast, we don't see a lot of Canadian wines. Right. So the it's assumption hard, is yeah, it's hard to. But at the same time, this is not just a question about Canadian wine. This is a, a question about wine from Michigan and wine from New York True. and wine True. from Texas and Virginia. And we've had good wines from all of those states. True. Um, and the truth is there are so many, going back to Karen's question, there are so many good wines on the market. People are looking for a reason to eliminate something. And if they can just say, oh, I don't want to think about Canadian wine, then they can take that chunk off their, off their, off their wine list, as it were. But they're making great wine everywhere that they make wine these days. Yeah. And while it may be difficult to sell Canadian wine into the Napa Valley, it's also fairly difficult to sell Napa Valley wine into the Okanagan because the Okanagan's making pretty good wine yeah. on their own and they don't need help from anybody else. Yeah, you know, and there was, and I talked to a couple of the winemakers there about getting Canadian wines into California and all of them said they would like to, but the difficulty is, is that they come across as a novelty. So right. they're not going to, you know, they're, they're going to, they might pick a, get a restaurant here in a restaurant there, but even right. the restaurants that want to help them out, they really f see it as quote unquote hand sell. You know, it absolutely is. Although it's absolutely great fun, Rick, and you've done this and I've done it to go to a meeting with a, a wine tasting with a bunch of wine snobs, bring a bottle of something completely unexpected in a brown paper bag, and ask them to taste this wine and look at the looks on their faces when they discover it's from Kentucky or it's from. 
you know, some of these other places that are not necessarily. I had a really good. I had some really good wine when I was in Nova Scotia. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's really fun to pour a, a completely uh, unknown wine to a group of fairly serious wine people and watch the expressions go across from their face when they find out what it really is. Yeah, usually, when I bring something in a brown paper bag, it's just for me. Yeah, you I'm usually just don't share sip it. it on the side. You usually don't share yeah, it. And, just, but that's one of the reasons they don't let you in the house to make you drink out there on the curb. Well, it's it's true. Uh, I, I figure I fit. Um, <laughs> and it is tough. But and so I mean, all we can say is what our our experience was that we've tasted lots of really terrific wines uh, and and a yeah. good range. One way to think of it too is uh, you know. The Okanagan Valley is a, is an extension of eastern Washington. I mean, it is that right. same geographic right. region. And if you like yeah. wines from Washington, you can like wines from Canada. Yeah, and uh, and remember that people said the same thing about wines from California before right. the big tasting in Paris in 1976. So, yeah, yeah. So yes. So yep. Steve, we're with you. All right, that's it for questions for now. We're going to have more in just a bit. You are, of course, listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Up next, uh, we show that horrible wine writing really knows no boundaries. Excellent. That's that international music that says horrible wine writing. Uh, Bad wine writing on the horizon. On the horizon. Even yeah. even Canadians do it. Uh, <laughs> we found even so, if they do it politely. So it's we still bad writing. we found some of the one actually uh, was the Canadians uh, touting American bad wine writing. We found these on the floor. So, right, Paul. What's yours? So here's one that was actually put up uh, in front of one of the wineries. They mm-hmm. pulled it out of a magazine to show how good their wine was. And here's what it said. Cedar, graphite, marzipan, black plum, and blackberry aromas ooze power and ripeness. This is concentrated and dark in style with oak, blackberry, and cassis flavors. Spice, vanilla, raisin, cassis, and chocolate flavors reflect maximum ripeness. It's just, it's just a jumble. It's well, just a dark jumble. it's not jumble. only just a jumble, but we got ripeness in there quite a yeah. number of times. And for some reason, there's cassis flavors and cassis flavors twice as if... One cassis wasn't enough. One cassis is too many. So two cassis <laughs> is four times too many. There's yes. a geometric progression right. on how many too many cassis right. are. <laughs> That's a case of too yeah, many cassis. Yeah, that was that was a major American magazine. Okay. Right. So this was. What have you got? I um, this was I, I was sort of looking, and there was a, a couple of wineries had uh, had. Uh, you know, written their own material, and this was right. one winery that had written descriptions of their wines. And these are yep. the entire descriptions, the full, the whole the, show, the full whole show. Okay, right? what do you got? So one, of, there's three, three little ones. Okay, uh, Bordeaux blend flavors, flavors of fruit and spice, smooth with advanced talons. Aged 23 months in oak barrels, thirty nine dollars. Well, so that's pretty that tells simple. you a lot. Yep. It, although, although you would say that that pretty much describes every Bordeaux blend on the planet. Pretty much. Okay. Except good. for maybe the thirty nine dollars. Right. Um, okay. Dark and handsome. So I Who, thought. Me? For, I thought oh, they no. were talking about me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So this okay. is the second one. Dark and handsome, a bold cuvee, sourced from the warmest sections of the vineyard. Okay. That was it. Okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Still okay. not telling us why they make it. Or what it was or anything. Yeah. I don't know, even what the grapes were in this case. And the other one was aged in oak to increase the complexity. This Pinot Noir has nuance and complexity. Well, it turned out that the aging in oak worked. Apparently it did. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to age it for complexity and that has complexity, yes. you've done a good job. Yes. They could use a copywriter, I think. Oh, boy. Yes. Okay. Right. So, well, yeah, the same mistakes, they're everywhere. What that's right. Well, and again, there were wines from 18 different countries up there, so we had a chance to read bad wine writing yes. in, in... In Italian. In Italian, and, and, and Spanish, yes. and German. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm sure they were all terrible. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Well, uh, I think we should take a couple more questions because we had a few more from the Good. Our, our floor there in Vancouver. So yeah. here, yeah. how about this one? Okay. I'm Ali from Vancouver in Canada. Um, I'd like to know what would make the better wine, a good winemaker with bad grapes or a bad winemaker with good grapes? I like that question. Ooh. That, that is a good question. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad I don't have to choose. Well, I, I know what I would say. So, and because okay. I, because because I, I did, I told her this was how I would answer it. Though you'd have to listen to us because we'll probably jumble the answer much worse on the air. But my sense is that if you don't have good grapes, you're just in trouble. And my sense is, but you can fix it. That, so and that, my yeah. sense is, you are absolutely right that they always say good wine is made in the vineyard, not in the winery. But a bad winemaker can muck up bad grapes. Good grapes, yeah. yeah. Good grapes, yeah. rather. Sure. And a good winemaker can actually make bad grapes better. Right. So if you gave me a choice between tasting a wine from a dear friend of mine who I think is a really good winemaker made from a vineyard that he had some real concerns about or a wine from a really prestigious vineyard that somebody had massacred, I'd go with my friend's wine. Yeah, yeah. I'd say just give me the grapes. I just eat them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want to wait for them to ferment first? Rick? Yeah, I'll wait. Yeah, and then there you then go. You just Put eat them, them in a bucket, and as soon as they start to, you know, <laughs> me and the bears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both of those are bad scenarios, but yeah, and I see what you're saying there too. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I, there are know, ways to fix it. We do. We do work with a lot of wineries, uh, the chateaus of Bordeaux, and of course, you get probably a little more vintage variation in Bordeaux than you do in the Napa Valley. And in an off vintage, in a vintage where the grapes aren't perfect, you still get some pretty great wines from the chateaus who really are very careful and, and make really good wine. Yeah, yeah. So Well, and that's a good point, too, um, is uh, and it's a question we get. In, in California, vintage variation or the vintage impact is always so much less because we don't have hailstorms in August and things like that. But, you know, when, when pe- France and Italy and Spain are losing half of their, their crop because of some weird weather things. Well, they had terrible frosts. This last year, yeah, right, 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 and and when you see the good wineries coming through with still, still know, really good wine, yeah, think, that, that does tell you something. There's something, so, yeah. Yep. All right, so maybe that's our answer, right? Good. There. Okay, right, we have one more. Ooh, my name is Debbie, and I'm from Ottawa. And my question is, please help me with my relationship when we are trying to decide whether we have red or white wine. And I want a glass of white wine, and my other half wants a glass of red wine. Is there any one kind of wine that we could have that maybe both of us could have a bottle of? So I, I do need to say that uh, uh, Debbie heard our show. Yeah. Um, this is somebody that we met early in the trip. You okay. Remember when we there was a media lunch we were all at, yeah. and I told her to go listen to our show. Very, very nice person. So she knew what the show was about. Yeah. She knew that we do relationship questions. So she said, okay, I got one for you. And I said, why can't you just get two glasses of wine? That's absolutely right. But what she said was they like the romance of getting that one bottle, sharing that bottle, pouring it back and forth. So then what do you do? Well, um, I'm going to vote for Pink Bubbly. It's not a bad way to go. I Uh, I mean, let's be fair. They're constructing an impossible argument. You can't have white and red in the same bottle. Um, But Pink Bubbly tastes good, I would argue, to both of them. Uh, and it's a relationship. Bubbly's a romantic beverage, so they should still both be happy. Yeah, I wasn't even going to put the color in on the bubbly. I was just going to say go for the bubbly. Yeah, I'll pick yeah, bubbly. Or a, or a Blanc de Noirs. So it's a white wine from red grapes. Right. So they're basically both getting their way. Yeah, but he still wants a red wine. Yeah. Well, you know, tell him— uh, 
uh, well, see, now I'm about to be sexist. I'm saying she always wins. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way it works in your house and my house. Yeah. But who knows how it works in Debbie's house? That's true. That's um, <laughs> a tough one. But the bubbly's not, bubbly's not a bad one. The, the other the other might be, um, uh, I'm trying to think of like a really light red or or a... Uh, well, there are some relatively uh, thin or lighter style red wines uh, per for example, a relatively lighter style burgundy Pinot Noir yeah. that would have relatively light, delicate color, but it's it's still a red wine. If she wants white, if she wants white because she doesn't want to spill it on her blouse and have it stain, there's no kind of red wine that's going to work. And if he wants red because he wants to turn his teeth black, there's no kind of rosé that's going to make him happy. So, Debbie, I would lose him and get somebody who likes white well, wine. Or you, you'd, you'd you know, go for the Rick approach and just get two bottles of wine. <laughs> Yeah. And drink them both. Yeah, and then you're on, and then your 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 mate is on her his own. Yeah. That's <laughs> All right. Well, we didn't really help much on that one, but that's a tough one. In fact, we didn't really help much on anything. Do we ever? In, now and then. Now and then. <laughs> that is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Uh, we'd like to say a special thank you, by the way, to the Vancouver International Wine Fa- Festival and Tours in Vancouver for putting up with us for a few days. Here, here. And especially for letting Paul speak in public. Arf. <laughs> our producer is Matt Pacini. Our Thank associate you, Matt. producer is Jeremy Marin, and who's joining the team this week, by the yes, way, as the show cool. just keeps getting more sleek and polished, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's the top of your head, Rick. Yeah, it's okay. Really, okay. Not much about Not us. much That's, polished about us. No, no, no. Uh, we do spill in the studio less than we used to, though. <laughs> right. Thank you to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us in the podcast lineup. If you'd like to ask us a question, don't forget, you don't have to go to Vancouver. Just go to rickandpaulwine.com. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's go to Vancouver. And now that we're both home, Vancouver is even better. It is indeed. <laughs> I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us. Especially us.